everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. This is the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, joined once again by my co-host, Rob Dunham. Hello, I'm awake. (laughs) He says that for now. We'll see what it's like by the end of the podcast. (laughs) Peek behind the curtain, it is... Not early when we're recording this episode. Yeah, since this is not our full-time job, unfortunately. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) This just has to be fitting into whenever our schedules fit, like most podcasts. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Well, we do still have a wonderful show in store for you today. We're going to talk about Godzilla versus Kong dominating the box office yet again. Michael Keaton returns as batman we'll talk about which band we'd like to see another biopic done from and we'll talk about our movie pet peeves along with watch lists all right rob you ready to get started awesome all right so our first story we're talking about godzilla versus kong so at&t's ceo John Stanky gave a press conference recently where he talked about the success of Godzilla versus Kong and how its success in theaters along with their streaming model might be to quote him a ship or a a tide that rises all boats tide that lifts all boats so what he's getting at here is that uh, Godzilla vs. Kong has been highly successful both for HBO Max and in theaters. It has now made over $100 million in the theaters, which is the first time any movie has come close to cracking $100 million since the pandemic started. And it's made $400 million worldwide. And it's been doing well on HBO Max. So... Um, he's really doing a victory lap here saying that, hey, we had a plan, our plan worked, and all you other guys are losers. (laughs) But uh, it is interesting because this, this, I think, shows that there, there is a definite return to the box office for this movie. Um, As well as this model seems to, there was, there was talked originally that this would really, really hurt box offices. And at least for this movie, it hasn't. Now, he didn't release exact data on the HBO Max subscriber counts, but they are pleased with what's going on for that. So, Rob, what do you make of this? I find it quite fascinating because, as I said last week, I don't think it's that good of a movie. <laughs> but it, I think it just shows how starved people were for like a, a big action-packed like summer movie, like we like to say, a real blockbuster. And, you know, whether or not this is a good movie, it is that. There's Mm -hmm. action all over the place. There's giant monsters fighting each other. A lot of special effects, a lot of neon, especially in Hong Kong. Um, A lot of things that would lead to a good theater going experience, I think. So I'm not surprised that it's been doing well there. And I do think people are starting to feel more comfortable being out in public um, as the vaccine has been distributed, as people start to feel safer, uh, 
it, I, I'm very interested in what the theater um, experience and numbers and things will look like in a year from now. See if it bounces all the way back. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a definite sign that that theaters are trending in the right direction. I also think this is vindication for the model that HBO, basically AT&T through Warner Brothers and HBO came out with, that they were able to provide a platform that kind of weathered the storm for them and provided them with multiple streaming or multiple revenue streams. And I wonder if, I hope that this means we're not going to see a whole lot more uh, films being delayed. I hope the success of this means that most films will now be go ahead at their original production date. So that's what I'm hoping. And um, I think that's kind of what he means, uh, the CEO means by uh, a tide that rises all boats. So. And they are, they are getting money from people. I'm one of those people I've watched. I've watched it twice at home already. So um, people are using the service to watch the movie. And I think that this might be the, uh, you know, I guess Wonder Woman would be up there too. This has got to be close to being one of the biggest drivers to that so far. Mm -hmm. I I don't think the one coming out in a couple of hours or an hour from now will be as big a force. But I'm excited to watch it. And for those of you who don't know, that's Mortal Kombat. Yes. It's coming out. And this is one of the other things that John mentioned in the piece is that because they have a regular slate of movies scheduled to premiere on HBO Max, that's allowed them to retain subscribers because they know there's there's another thing coming out. So it's easier to justify continuing your subscription. Now, will that hold up long-term for HBO Max? We'll see. But at least for now, there's incentive for people to continue subscribing to the service. My personal opinion is that it's worth subscribing to all the time, no matter what, based on the amount of quality content that they have. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I've had this subscription for quite a while now, and uh, it is it is a staple. So. And I will, I will say just as a quick sidebar, uh, not a movie, but very much movie production quality. Uh, there's a new HBO Max. Well, it's an HBO show, but also premiering on HBO Max every week called The Nevers. And we've talked extensively about Joss Whedon and his uh, trials and travails with Superman. <laughs> and this show is directed by, written by, and produced by Joss Whedon. So it's the Joss Whedon joint. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I highly recommend his uh, show set in Victorian England with uh, a whole bunch of ladies with superpowers, basically. Mm. And they're trying to figure out where they came from and why. And uh, I definitely recommend checking it out. It's called The Nevers. Like I said, it's a TV show, but as many TV shows have started to become, it's really got movie quality production behind it, which is really cool for me. And I think might be worth exploring at length in a future episode because I think the line between movies and TV in some ways is blurring yeah. because I think yeah. the quality of production is going, going up all across the board. And we're seeing uh, Marvel stuff with Disney Plus as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's move on to our second story, which is 
superhero themed. Yes. This is the report. It has now been confirmed that Michael Keaton will reprise his role as Batman in the upcoming Flash movie. So this is this has been rumored for a while, but it was on and it was off, and it was nobody was quite sure whether it was going to happen or not. But it is now confirmed Michael Keaton, who played Batman in the first two Tim Burton Batman films, I think it was uh, eighty eight and ninety one or eighty nine and ninety one, Batman and Batman Returns, and he will be back, which is I think it's great. Michael Keaton I think is a great actor. And I think he did a great job as Batman, but he will be back as part of the Flash uh, movie that's coming up. And this Flash movie will feature the same Flash, Ezra Miller, who was in the Justice League. And this particular film is going to feature the Flashpoint arc. It's gonna be inspiration from the Flashpoint arc from the DC comics, which means that basically the Flash runs so fast he opens up parallel universes. And that's how you're going to get away with Michael Keaton as Batman, even though you still have um, Ben Affleck as Batman. And you're also going to have um, Robert Pattinson as Batman here very soon. So this is how they're going to be able to get away with it. And I think this, I think this has some potential to it. Of course, DC, there are a lot of the DC movies have had their, let's just say they've, they've not always lived up to expectations what i know right (laughs) the first the first films for each of the individual characters have so far been pretty good so i'm hoping that trend continues with the flash so what do you think of michael keaton's return well uh first of all i'm just excited for more batfleck uh yes (laughs) real story here it's kind of funny because the snyder cut of the justice league actually did make me appreciate Ben Affleck's portrayal of Batman a lot more than I did going into it. Yeah. I think that um, the way that the way that that character was allowed to breathe breathe in the uh, Snyder cut really showed off more of his acting ability, which I think we did not see in the original cut of the justice league. So I'm excited to see more of him. And, you know, obviously I'm, excited to see more of Michael Heaton and I really hope that they find a way to fit him into that ridiculous costume from those first couple of Batman movies again and would it be too much to ask for George Clooney to make a surprise cameo I know right nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was 1992 on Batman Returns was the last time he played Batman and uh, that's that's a uh, Quite a long while ago. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, we need, also, go ahead. We need Clooney. We need, uh, we need Christian Bale. We need to get the whole gang together. As a, um, maybe we can have a CGI Adam West show up. I don't know. And Val Kilmer. Don't forget Val Kilmer. Yes. Everyone always forgets Val Kilmer. Poor Val Kilmer. Well, Val Kilmer would, I mean, we need, to, we need a special suit for Val. He's, uh, he's not looking <laughs> as felt these days. <laughs> or a very tight belt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, it is kind of funny considering he will be back as Batman uh, since he played in Birdman, where he played mm. a former actor who played a superhero trying to break back into the movie industry. So mm. 
life imitating art, imitating life. It's the best way. It's the way it goes. All right, for our last story, um, I care about this story more for our discussion about it than I do for the story itself. Because <laughs> it I'm shocked. I'm utterly shocked by that statement. <laughs> so Netflix is nearing a deal on a Kiss biopic. Yes, that is Kiss the band, the 70s and 80s. Well, I guess they're still around. Hair metal, makeup, clad band, Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Ace Freely, those guys. Yeah. Uh, so Netflix is nearing a deal to create a biopic called Shout It Out Loud about the band Kiss. So that's interesting in and of itself. Um, We've seen recently that some of these biopics have done well. We've seen a bunch of them, actually. Um, there's been Bohemian Rhapsody. There was, uh, I forget, the, the one about Elton John was in there. Rocket Man. Rocket Man, yes. And I'm, I know there's been a couple others. I'm blanking out on which ones they've been recently. But now it looks like we might be getting one with Kiss. And they're still touring, actually. And apparently that tour got interrupted and they're talking about, they have a big finale. I think it's New Year's Eve in Dubai. And so they're talking that maybe that will be a big feature in the upcoming movie. Uh, I was never a big fan of Kiss. Did you ever listen to Kiss? Is that? I mean, if you're a sports fan and not a fan of We Will Rock You, then I might have to revoke your sports fan credentials. But uh, other than that, I'm not really a huge Kiss fan. Yeah, because that's not actually a Kiss song, so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the question, the, the thing is here, the reason I bought this story is I want to see what bands we think there should be biopics for. What band, what band do you think would make a great, a great biopic? Who, who, who needs, whose band do you need a biopic from? Uh, there's only one answer to this question for me, and it's uh, you two. Ah, yes. Okay. Because I think that, yeah, they've had books written about them. They've had a whole lot of other things uh, that uh, that have come out about them, but not really like a full-length movie. They've had some documentary stuff done, but not a movie dramatically. And I think that it might be hard to accomplish that Uh when they're still around <laughs> and they might be around forever. So I don't know if this movie will ever happen. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you remember uh, a number of years ago when we went to see the uh, IMAX 3D concert yes. from you two. Yeah, that was, that was good. That was really well done. Uh, but okay. So you two for Rob, I'm going with Oasis. I think we absolutely need a biopic from Oasis. Those guys are insanely popular. Two brothers. They can't stand each other. They couldn't stand each other pretty much the entire time they were a band. And so I think if you had a good biopic on those guys, you would get tons of drama, lots of entertainment. I hope you'd get lots of the two of them fighting. Um, there's got there's got to be great like behind the scenes camera footage from 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 some of these blowouts. These guys apparently are legendary to have. Plus they do. They have great music and have been known to rock out uh, 
to very full stadiums. So I think we need an Oasis biopic. If, if someone uh, pitched an Oasis biopic to me, I would respond with, maybe. <laughs> and then we'd see what happened after that. And obviously when I was uh, talking about Kiss, I meant rock and roll all night because yes, obviously I know Queen saying we will rock you. I'm just very tired. Yeah. Yeah, we'll give you some <laughs> <on> that one. <laughs> I'm not that dumb, I promise. Um, I was thinking about, like, you mentioned Elton John. I was thinking um, about Billy Joel, maybe, or Bruce Springsteen as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, individual people, like, Bruce is another person who there have been, like, movies made, documentary-style type movies made with him. There have been movies made about his music, and its impact on people as we saw recently um but not really like a true origin story this is where he came from this is you know what led him to do music which i think can be really interesting billy joel i'm not 100 percent sure if his life story is interesting enough or not but uh, <laughs> the guy's been making music for like 50 years so yeah i'm sure he's had quite a few experiences along the way um I just, I like music, so I wouldn't mind, you know, seeing movies about people. It's just the the question is how far does a person have to rise in the public consciousness to justify a movie being made about them? Yeah. Like we saw, um, obviously, the Queen movie and, like you mentioned, Elton John movie. Um, now Kiss is having one. There's just not, there's, oh, the Rolling Stones, obviously. Um um, shine a light the documentary was really well done but that's you know we're i think we're more focusing on like a dramatic retelling of people's lives not an actual documentary so yeah um they would be another one that would probably be worth an actual movie of sometime yeah for sure and none of those band members are actually alive they're all just you know they've got their batteries plugged in and they're all you know, they're just robots at this point. So I think not you need to get away. Funny. How are all of them still alive? I don't understand. If you have not watched John Mulaney's uh, bit about working with Keith Richards or uh, about working with uh, Mick Jagger, you should you should watch that immediately because it's incredible. <laughs> he had an interaction with him while he was a writer for Saturday Night Live. And uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on from that. Let's get to our discussion item for the evening. So this one I thought would be would be kind of fun. Movie pet peeves. Things that bother us that have anything to do with movies. So we're talking about m- movies themselves. It could be something about actors or actresses it could be the movie industry theaters anything movie related what are our pet peeves so we have a few pet peeves in store so let's we'll go back and forth on these rob why don't you you start give us one of your movie pet peeves i mean the most obvious answer to this question is that there's just not enough nicholas cage <laughs> um, not enough nicholas cage in, in the public spotlight <laughs> And I would like to quote directly from the liner notes of his newest movie, which is now available at Redbox called Willie's Wonderland. And oh. I'm just going to let this speak for itself as to why we need more Nicolas Cage recognition, because in this movie, Nicolas Cage plays a quiet drifter 
who was moved, tricked into cleaning up an abandoned family entertainment center haunted by eight murderous animatronic characters. <laughs> and the fact that this is not a blockbuster is just a tragedy of epic proportions. How could know. a movie like this go straight to video? I don't understand. No, that's... Uh, seriously, he's, he's underselling himself on this. And it is called <laughs> Willie's Wonderland, in case you uh, somehow have not heard of this masterpiece. I would, I would advise you to go watch it immediately. <laughs> How about you? So my first one is very specific. It is the fact that nobody in any movie ever, and this applies to TV shows too, has ever actually taken off a necklace. Every single time, they just yank it. Every time, they just yank the necklace. Nobody ever like unclasps a necklace in a movie. Anytime they go to remove one, it's always yank. This is not how necklaces work. This is not how necklaces work. They do not, they're not, they're not pull toys. Sounds like a very, very Jerry Seinfeld take on <laughs> movies. <laughs> but it always, it's always bothered me. Every time you see it, like the, it's, whether it's a dead person, whether someone's going, it's just always a yank the necklace off every single time. Well, now I'm going to watch movies specifically for how they remove necklaces just to find examples proving you wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder that, if it's one of those things where it's like, it just takes too long and you don't want to see an actor like messing that up. Kind of like how you never see, you know, people on TV watching TV that much. That is very specific. I got to give you that. Specific, yes. Uh, maybe my actual real most annoying pet peeve is, and this caused me to have an overcorrection in my own life, which has annoyed my wife at times, uh, <laughs> but kids who won't be quiet in the movie theater mm. is something that has always driven me insane. Yes. And for that reason, like, I didn't take my kids to the movie theater until they were, like, at least five because... I wanted them to know that they weren't going to make noise when they start to make noise. Like I've, I, I have taken my son out of the movie theater before after maybe he's made like two small sounds. <laughs> I was like, you didn't have to do that. Not, but I just, I overcorrect because I know how much it bothers me. <laughs> nice. Um, the prime example I have of this is if you remember the Jim Carrey version of a Christmas Carol, which, uh, is probably one of the scarier versions, I think. Mm -hmm. um, specifically when he comes up to the ghost of Christmas future and there's like these urchin children that crawl out of like the guy's cloak and it's just really creepy. There's like a demon horse and there was someone at that movie with like a three-year-old and the kid was just absolutely losing his mind, screaming during that whole thing. And I was just like, why did you bring this kid to this movie? Yeah, um, three-year-old can't handle the Christmas Carol. Yeah, uh, kids don't need to go to every movie. I understand that. I understand the limitations and difficulties sometimes in finding someone to watch your kids, but especially now, I think with the ability to watch a whole bunch of stuff at home, like you can live without going to the movies for a little bit. Okay, so my next one is. Uh, the award shows. The award shows for the movie industry are just awful. 
they are unwatchable between just the garishness and the tone deafness and they've all decided that they're all incredibly well informed about politics and so they've just become like it's just a stain on the movie industry that these things are still around i love movies i love i i love talking about movies i i love hearing who wins things but these shows are awful and they're insanely long they're just terrible not to mention nowadays like they don't even get the movies right the awards half the time the awards they're just do a terrible job picking movies it's it's gotten so much worse that they're just telling me that you didn't like the group selfie with all the actors in ellen degeneres because (laughs) (laughs) they're just they're unwatchable it's it's i will i will say in general i agree with you but i will also say that um the couple times that huge jacked man uh hosted a few years ago i really enjoyed because he's a very talented person and did some funny stuff um but other than huge jacked man Yes, I, that's how I choose to pronounce his name because that's <laughs> what he is. Uh, there is quite a bit of eh, <laughs> involved, just blandness and boringness, and I still I still like to watch to see who wins the awards, except for when they announce the wrong winner uh, and have to Pretty change funny. the envelope, which has happened. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, uh, I think that oftentimes the ones they do pick to win awards are not ones that the public would agree with. And that's just how it's going to be, because I think they have their own standard and their own ideas and their own focus when it comes to choosing those things. Yeah. Otherwise, Nicolas Cage would win an Oscar every year. Yeah, I mean it's it's the whole it's the whole like Michael Jordan, LeBron James thing. You just have to give it to somebody else every once in a while. Yeah, because you get tired of giving it to him. All right, you got you got another one. Uh, the cost of food at the movie theater. Okay, there it is. But you know, just because I'm annoyed with it doesn't mean that it's not necessary because it's really how they make their money. So I can't be too upset about it but at the same time i don't like it yeah (laughs) and i've i don't know i might have more of a struggle with this because i've personally just always been a person who does not feel right about bringing my own food and i know some people don't have a hang up with that but i have like a personal conviction about it which is really annoying because i have taken my own food sometimes and then felt like guilty the entire night afterwards so i just try not to do it which leads to me buying like $5 boxes of candy every once in a while, which is annoying and stupid. Yeah. It's hard because especially when you go as often as we used to go, like you just can't buy things. You can't buy food every time. You yeah. don't have a household budget for food as much as you would have to pay to get food every single time. I think we, we both, we both dealt with that when we first started, uh, it was with movie pass and then with other movie subscription things like you had to change your mindset to get off the idea of I need to get popcorn and soda every time I go to a movie because before it might have been like a couple times a month thing and now it was like three times a week. Yeah. <laughs> you can't really afford to get something every time you go if you're going three times a week. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So my last one is, it's kind of one and one A and, and they're both related to, to the actual show times. Uh, the first one is since the, basically since the pandemic started, when the movie theaters reopened, none of them have had the late shows, mm. like the, the nine, nine thirty, ten 10 o'clock shows. And those are the ones I most frequently went to because I like to stay up late. It means I can get all the stuff done I need to do. I can hang out with my wife and then I can go to see a movie later in the evening. It was just such a convenient time to go to the movies for me. So the majority of the shows I went to were the late shows. And now it's harder to find the time to go because I'm always doing something in the evening or I have something and I have to like specifically plan out like this is going to be what I do for the evening. It doesn't feel like an extra add on at the end. So that's, that's, a, that's been a pet peeve of mine. So that's one A and one B with that is the show times for premieres. There used to be one showtime, the midnight showtime, Thursday night for big movie premieres. I feel like they've watered down the premiere over the last few years by having like Thursday at five, Thursday at seven, Thursday at this, Friday. You know, there's just, there's so many different showtimes. There used to be like the one showtime, the whole theater's opening up like six, seven screens showing the same movie or something like that. And it felt like a big event. It does a lot of the premieres haven't felt quite like a big event recently. So, yeah, I still agree with you on the late showtime thing. And part of the frustration for me is that the theater in Lancaster has late showtimes, and the one in New York does not always have them. So, that can be frustrating. And that the one closest to me does not have those kind of shows that I can go to. So, I have to go uh, half an hour away to watch one <laughs> instead of five minutes away. Yeah. But yeah, that's just in general. Some the, some locations do it and some don't. And I, I mean, probably just driven on their analysis of when they get people to show up or not. Yeah. And that's the thing is, who knows when they'll be back? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know when they'll be back. So we'll see. All right. So that was our discussion item for the day. If you have any of your own movie pet peeves, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what they are. So drop us a line, give us a comment as to what your movie pet peeves are. Okay. So we'll move on to the watch list. This are movies that we watched over the past week where we give you a brief analysis of what we thought about them. Uh, so I'll, uh, I'll go first on this one. So I watched two movies this week. I watched uh, Taking of Pelham 123, starring Denzel Washington and John Travolta. This movie is about a uh, train, a subway train in New York City gets hijacked by John Travolta. And he is in contact with the dispatcher, who turns out to be Denzel Washington, and Denzel Washington ends up having to do the hostage negotiation part of this film. So this movie is, of course, driven by the two actors. There's not a ton of actual things that transpire through most of the movie. So the majority of, of what is intriguing about it is the interplay between John Travolta and Denzel Washington. So 
Um, the one thing I would say that suffers in the film is the fact that it's a little hard to not see Denzel Washington as a huge character, as, you know, a, being Denzel Washington. He usually does a pretty good job blending into the role, but to see him as just, I know in the movie they, they make a claim that he was a higher up guy who's been demoted because he's under investigation to just being a train operator, but it's hard to see him just as a train operator, but it's a, it's a well done. It's a well done movie. It's a good action movie. And like I said, the interplay between uh, John Travolta and Denzel Washington is great. There's good, there's good chemistry between the two of them as they're talking back and forth and interacting with each other and trying to get to know each other a little bit more while trying to kind of manipulate each other. Uh, so it's well done. And yeah, you should see it. Have you seen this one? I don't think I've seen that one. I might've seen the original one. Like there was a version that came out in the fifties, I believe. Hmm. Um, don't remember the exact year, but I, I not, I'm not a hundred percent sure if I've seen the one with Denzel and triple Flair or not. Okay. Okay, I think it's on Hulu. I'm checking to make sure. Uh, so that's the first one I saw. The second one was one that we talked about recently, so I won't take up a ton of time on it. Uh, but uh, it was About Time. I finally got around to watching About Time with my wife this past weekend, and we enjoyed it thoroughly. So uh, you went on this one when we talked about time travel movies, yep. if, I'm, if I'm correct. Uh, but it is well done. It actually stars quite a few of the Harry Potter series characters, <laughs> uh, the actors from the Harry Potter series. But what I liked about this movie in particular, um, the basic plot is uh, a young man finds out that the men in his family can travel through time, not to anywhere, but through their own, into their own previous timeline. Uh, what I really enjoyed about it was even though, they could have done the Groundhog Day thing where they constantly revisit the same day over and over again, changed it. They used that very judiciously. And they didn't just make it feel like a typical time loop movie where you're just constantly interacting with the previous day over and over and over again. They used it well. They didn't abuse it. And, and so the extra elements they created in there within the relationship was, was, was excellent. So I thought, I thought the, the way they used it to both foster relationships and to reveal relationships was extremely well done. Yeah. I really like, uh, I, I mentioned the scene when we talked about time travel movies, but the, when he tried to basically fix a situation with his sister and it just was not fixable. Like, I really like that that uh, uh, storyline they brought through in relation to the time travel, because I think that's something that you don't see too often in the time travel movie. Yeah. Like you fix one thing, something else will go wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that was me. I didn't have a ton of time to watch movies this week, but that's what I got into. Rob, what, what about you? Uh, all right. First I watched uh, decent amount of movies this week partly because i was watching movies with my children so um we watched monsters 
University and Monsters, Inc., which I appreciate and enjoy both of those movies. And I think Monsters, Inc. holds up incredibly well for coming out in the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, Monsters University tells some of the backstory, changes some of the backstory, I think. Like, it doesn't all line up with what happened in Monsters, Inc. as far as where the character's background comes from. Uh, but it it is uh, they're they're both really fun. Um, the guy who directed Monsters Inc. also directed Inside Out, and the guy who directed Monsters University also directed Onward, which is a recent Pixar film. So they've both gone on to do bigger and better things with Pixar, and uh, I. I, I enjoy the characters in both of these movies. Billy Crystal and John Goodman are great as the two main monster characters, Sully and Mike. Mike Wachowski! Um, and uh, I it's enjoyable to be able to share those things with my kids, too. I, I like animation, so to be able to watch it with them and see them laugh and have a good time is really cool. I also watched with my kids a movie that came out in 2019 called The Kid Who Would Be King, which is a uh, retelling of um king arthur and nice round table and involving teenagers realizing that they might be descendants of king arthur and how do they approach that they battle against morgana and the depiction of merlin is really cool and sir patrick stewart is actually in this movie as well as the old version of merlin which is kind mm-hmm. of uh, they have a merlin who's a teenager but also sir patrick stewart so he goes back and forth and he's also an owl so he kind of yeah, it goes between those three states of being. Uh, the movie I wanted to spend the most time talking about uh, is on Amazon Prime, and it's called Sound of Metal, and I would highly, highly, highly recommend you watch this movie. Um, stars Reese Ahmed. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but uh, hopefully close. And uh, <laughs> you could tell that he really poured um, his spirit into this movie, and he is phenomenal. And it, I would I would say that he is award win worthy uh, in this performance and just came out this year. Um, I just wanted to read something from the Wikipedia page about the production of this movie because watching the movie, I just thought to myself, man, he must have put in like a lot of effort to do what he's doing right there. And then I read on the Wikipedia article about the production and uh, says for eight months. The, uh, the guy who did the casting and the director and the producers had had uh, Reese do this. For eight months, he prepared for the film by studying two hours a day learning American Sign Language, two hours a day in drum lessons, two hours a day with a personal trainer, and the remainder with his acting coach hmm. for eight months. <laughs> and it's incredible watching his performance. Um, the movie centers around his character, and his character is a drummer in a metal band and he suddenly loses his ability to hear. Like it goes over the span of a couple of days, just vanishes basically um, because of his exposure to loud noise. And when the doctor first tells him the best way to help combat this is to limit your exposure to loud noise. And he's a drummer in a metal band. Uh, it sets up like a real real problem for him and i found the movie moving and very empowering when it comes to people in the deaf community and i've had the opportunity to know some of these people in real life 
had the opportunity where at my previous job to serve them several summers at a camp we had at school. Mm. Um, so a lot of the things that I saw there, I have seen in person in real life. And the film is uh, cast primarily with actual deaf people, which is very interesting and makes it feel very authentic and makes his performance feel incredibly gripping and realistic. Uh, he ends up going to this retreat and he can't even speak sign language. This has all happened to him so quickly. He has to, he has to learn sign language. He has to learn how to shut his mind off and just accept where he is in life and what's happened to him. Um, it explores the idea of cochlear implant surgery and what does that actually mean? And um, he has to decide for himself if it was actually the right decision and worth it, or if it's better to not have that noise, <laughs> which is a really interesting thing because he goes from wanting nothing but noise to wanting silence. And I think it's a real important lesson for all of us to think about. And I, I, it had a big emotional impact on me as well, because I think as a musician, one of my biggest fears has always been that I will lose my hearing. Mm. So to see it happen and see how it impacts somebody was very powerful. Um, when, when an actor does such a good job that you kind of forget while you're watching the movie that he's actually acting and it feels like mm -hmm. he's doing everything that you're seeing in front of you, that's a special thing. And he accomplishes that in this movie. So if you have Amazon Prime, definitely check out Sound of Metal because uh, it's well worth it. Well worth it. Okay. All right. So now we'll close out with a recommendation. So this will be a film that we recommend to watch. So Rob, since you're on the, since you're on a roll here, what, what, what do you recommend for the people to watch this week? Well, Sound of Metal on Amazon Prime is one, but I would also recommend if you have HBO Max, as I'm about to, um, in about six minutes, get home and watch as soon as I get home, you need to watch Mortal Kombat. I think, I don't say this because I think it's going to be an amazing movie. It's probably not going to be, but I'm just excited to see if they can redeem Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah. Because in my opinion, that there there is so much there that you could make a really cool movie out of. So are they actually going to get it right this time? I'm, I'm very fascinated to find out the answer to that question. So if you have HBO Max or if you have an opportunity to get out to the theater, I would uh, highly recommend checking out Mortal Kombat. Excellent. At least in about five minutes. Yeah. Uh, so I'm actually also picking one that's an HBO Max movie. And that is Frequency. Frequency uh, starring Jim Caviezel and Dennis Quaid uh, came out originally in 2000. Really, really well done movie about a guy who gets, uh, who digs out his father's old, uh, old CB radio and, and plugging it in, finds out that he can talk to his dad back in the late sixties. And his dad in present time is dead. And so he can talk back to his dad. We've talked about this one a little bit back and forth, but that is on HBO Max. 
And it, it, it's an incredibly good story about messing with timelines and the really, really heartfelt between the, the father and son. And if you like murder mysteries, if you like any of that type of stuff, it's, it's well worth it. So watch Frequency. Yeah, if that's not the top movie as far as number of times watched with um, my wife and I, it's very close to the top. We've watched that together many times. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. All right. Well, that is the show for this evening. And we hope you enjoyed the episode. If you like the Film for Fan podcast, do us a favor, rate, subscribe, and share it with your friends. Also, visit filmforfans.com where we have articles, recommendations, and you can find the podcasts and share that along with lots of other good things. All right. Until next time, enjoy the movies.